Welcome to Moonbeaming, a podcast about magic, creativity, the tarot, lunar living, and more. I'm your host, Sarah Faith Godestiner, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, babes, and welcome back. We're back. It's season three. I could not be more overjoyed. If you're just tuning in, I'm Sarah Faith Godestiner, an artist and designer. I've been a professional tarot reader. I'm a psychic for over a decade. I run a business called Modern Women. I wrote the Moon Book and I'm really excited to be here. Just like you, I do lots of things. Personally, I love marrying the magical with the practical, and this podcast provides a place for me to do so. We talk about archetypes, magic, lunar living. We talk about healing, art, more. This is for the critical witch. This is for the creative person. This is for the sensitives. This is for the brilliant people. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if this is like your 40th time listening, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If you are a Patreon supporter, especially, I'm just so grateful for you all for supporting this show and my work. This is how I can make this happen. This show, this podcast you're listening to right now would not exist without the lovely people who are supporting me at my Patreon. I'm able to pay folks. I'm also able now for the first time this season to give our guests an honorarium, something that not most podcasts, is that a right word? I'm tired. Something that I don't think a lot of podcasts do, but I believe they should. And this is all because of you. And if you'd like to join the Patreon, you can click the link in the show notes. You get so much, so much besides the beautiful, warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you're supporting Moonbeaming. You get extra episodes, guides, tarot spreads that are completely exclusive and more. It's a lovely place filled with lovely, lovely people. The other thing I want to call out that I'm really excited about is this is the one-year mark anniversary of Moonbeaming, just a little bit over, but I want to honor that. I really believe in honoring time markers, you know? I really believe in honoring milestones, and I want to celebrate because one year of any project in my little humble opinion, is a really important milestone. And it's really cool that we were able to do this. It was really cool that we were able to keep going for over a year. And so much of that, of course, is thanks to all of you. I also wanted to share some thoughts around this project as I was reflecting that I've been doing this for over a year and maybe it will inspire you, or maybe it will give you something to think about or give you a little nudge around some of the projects you want to put out because we need self-trust, we need self-consent, and it's so, so important to trust our intuition. And so I wanted to share, it was about, I think it was springtime, in 2020, where I first started getting messages from source, spirit, my intuition, whatever you want to call it, that's when it started kind of bubbling up. And, you know, for me personally, how I know these messages are from source, spirit, my future self, again, I'll think of a great name, but just not today, my friends, just not today. Whenever I kind of know like what's going on here is there's a couple there's a couple ways i know the first is they feel a little bit outside of me they often feel like they've come out of nowhere but they're very strong they're strong enough that i can't ignore it these messages often do not fit into my plans they sure don't 
they often are a right-hand turn, an off-ramp, a complication, something that maybe feels difficult, but they also feel powerful enough to pay attention to, kind of like a tug from the universe. They feel greater than me, and there's a bit of mystery in there too. Like, I can't really imagine how I will do them or carry them out. And also, I don't necessarily see the end. There's no logical reason and there's no like, this is how we cross the finish line and this is exactly what we want to happen. Fireworks, balloons, whatever, you know, like there, it's, it's moderately nebulous. And now that I'm thinking about it, that's actually also how the Many Moons project came about. Many Moons was a project that started in 2015, very similarly to this. And now it is in the form of yearly planners. Our yearly planner is just about to come out. By the way, I'll talk a little bit more about that later on, but a lot of folks know me from that project. And when I began that, I had no idea what it was going to lead to. I had no idea what was going to happen. There wasn't an end goal. There wasn't a larger vision around the project other than the inspiration and the really strong need of the project, the really strong reasons that felt like so in alignment around the project. And honestly, If I had known what was going to happen with many moons, I probably would not have done it because the project was awesome. It was wonderful. It was abundant. It was lovely. It connected me with so many incredible people. Some of my best friends, like to this day, so many magical people, such a huge, incredible, magical community that exists outside of dominant new age culture. It was really, really healing for a lot of folks. I got a lot of incredible feedback and I'm super, super grateful. Like to be so clear, if that is how you found my work and it helped you, I could not be more thrilled and honored to hear that because certainly that was first and foremost a project of service, a project to offer up healing. And also, personally, for me, it was really hard. It was really hard on a lot of levels. It got me known for something I didn't really want to be known for, TBH. It got me exposed in ways that weren't super enjoyable. I'm a very private person, um, believe it or not. And so there was that. And it brought up a bunch of my core wounds like deep wounds. And I would even argue that some new ones got sort of opened up and got created. And, you know, honestly, when I'm thinking about it, I suppose only large projects, projects that are handed to you from spirit and that are something greater than you could imagine, they'll do that because I think ultimately they're about transformation and they're about healing and Many Moons for me personally, which was about, I don't know, like 2015 to 2018, was very much a chariot from the Wheel of Fortune kind of time. Like if I'm thinking about it in terms of tarot archetypes, because your intuition will very often ask you to pivot and that's total chariot. And Wheel of Fortune is the card of no promises, really. And it's a card about mastering change in the same way that the chariot is. Both of them are about this theme. I would argue much of the tarot is about that theme, becoming change, becoming an expert in change. But there are so many differences between the chariot and the wheel of fortune. The wheel of fortune helps us introduce a different perspective While the chariot is a card about going beyond and truly practicing the power of will and the wheel of fortune is 
when the universe enters the chat in a different way, you know, it's like the universe has entered the chat, but you don't really know what's going to happen. And because we don't know what's going to happen, this reminds us in really wonderful and deeply humbling ways that you aren't in charge, babe. You are not in charge. So you better surrender where you can. You better figure out where your control is a trauma response. You better figure out what you are in charge of and be really clear about how you can center around that and align yourself with what is full of the most depth for you. So as to navigate through other cycles of change where bad, in quotes, bad things could feel good and good things, putting this in quotes, could feel bad, right? Like that's so wheel of fortune. The great job that's like, looks amazing on paper, but is really, really hard and you're working 90 hours a week. You know, that's very wheel of fortune, very wait and see. And wow, like what a teaching, right? And obviously I have so much more to say about intuition and creativity and how they intersect and living the cards in real time and the healing it brings out, but I'll go back to my podcast story. So I get this tug, I get this tug on my sleeve from the universe and I honestly, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. It's true. I didn't want to do it at first. I was strongly told like to create the podcast in the spring of 2020. And I didn't, I didn't do it. It was because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. A previous similar project had really negatively impacted me. I had a lot of healing I had to do. I needed the healing to take the time that it needed to take, right? Because we all know that healing is on its own timeline and we all need the amount of time <laughs> that it takes. Right. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it immediately. And so I was like, yeah, I just, I just don't think so. Honestly, I kind of, when intuition bubbles up like that and I get messages like that, it sort of seems like a cosmic joke. Like really, really universe, this is an alignment. <laughs> this is what's going on. Have, have you ever felt like that? Like, has that ever happened to you? I was sort of giving the universe a side eye. I'm I'm going to be honest. Um and so I didn't do it. And I think I want to I want to like call that out because I think that's a really important piece. We have to build trust with the self, you know? That's also very wheel of fortune, honestly, because wheel of fortune reminds us that timelines are not fixed. In fact, very little is fixed. We can like write on a piece of paper. I mean, maybe it would, maybe it would fill up mm, a chapter, mm, a phone book. I don't know, but there's very few things that are fixed. With timelines, we can speed them up and we can slow them down depending on where we are and what we want and need. How many times in your life have you opened one door and all you needed was that one door to open and everything changed. That job you got after a chance encounter with a friend of a friend or that outdoor potluck you decided to go to at last minute because you got an invite and you were free and you ended up meeting a super cutie and dating them and they totally changed you and rocked your world, right? Like we've all had moments where timelines sped up really quickly. And I also want to remind y'all listening that you can also slow timelines down if you need to. And that's what I did. I waited. I made some closures that I needed to. I waited for more healing to happen. I did a bunch of stuff in the meantime, and I waited until I felt more ready. And when the signs felt clearer, a lot of those signs were external. Folks were asking me like, are you going to do a podcast? People were telling me that they missed my podcasting. And a lot of signs were also internal. Having this feeling like, you know, I still have stuff to share. I have a lot of things to talk about that I haven't spoken about. And I think they'll be useful 
I think they'll be helpful to folks because honestly, I've never heard them spoken about anywhere. And that's another message. That's another teaching. What we have to share, that is unique to us. That is born out of our natural gifts, our very natural existence. These are usually healing messages. These are usually what we are here to share. So you can think about that in your own life. Like I know sometimes our gifts can make us feel isolated and alone, especially when we don't see other people sharing in the way that we have to share or making art in the way that we have to make art or being a tarot reader in the way that we're a tarot reader. I know, I know, I know, believe me, I know. But that is probably part of what you came here to do, what you came here to express. So like, remember that, you know? And another thing that I wanna share with all of you, the first couple times I recorded episodes of this podcast, I swear to goddess, I was shaking. Like no one was around. I was on my comfortable couch. I had at least two beverages. Everyone knows that I have to have at least two beverages anytime I'm doing something like this. I've got to have a hot, there's got to be a tea, maybe a matcha, there's got to be a cold, like some lemon water. And then maybe sometimes there's a fancy fun, like a kombucha or an olipop or a tapache or something like that. That's like how I roll, right? So I've got all these beverages around me, got all these pillows around me, but I was shaking. Like my editor can tell you I was like burping and I had to stir over and it was like a lot. To be clear, it wasn't like super debilitating, but it was outside of my comfort zone. And that's the last point I think I want to make about all of this. There's something to be said for a kind of exposure therapy that helps us to widen our windows of tolerance. And there's something to be said for collaborating with our intuition to help guide us into those growth edges. The messages from our intuition often are not comfortable. Like your intuition does not care how many pillows you have on your couch or how many beverages you have around you. Truly, it does care. It does want what's best for you and it wants your growth. And listening to our intuition often gets us to step just outside of our comfort zone. So here we are. We are a year later, 40 plus episodes It's been the loveliest experience. It's been wonderful to connect with all of you. The conversations and the guests have been incredible. The feedback on the episodes have been really great. And I know for a fact, I'll be doing this for probably one more year, if not longer. I'll check back in with you. Like I'm getting messages about that too, but it's, we're going to be here for a while. Don't you worry. Because There's also a lot more I have to share. And as long as I feel like I want to keep sharing, as long as I have like a very, very, very long list of guests I want to talk to, I'll be here. Last but not least, I got to give a shout out. Let's shout it out. My break. Huge shout out, all caps, (laughs) to breaks. Taking breaks is essential. We got to practice it as much as we can around things that we can. And so like taking time away from the podcast so I could recharge, so I could hold space for the folks that signed up for embodying abundance, so I could get the Many Moons Planner like in the shape of amazingness, which is what it is, by the way. Like it's really important. I couldn't do all of it at once. So if you're feeling compelled to take a break, take a break, schedule it in, you know, because now I'm like super ready. I'm really excited. I'm raring to go. I do not know where that term came from. It's very strange. Isn't that funny? Raring to go. I'll have to look it up later, but here I am. And we're going to have great, great conversations. I've already recorded four interviews of the season and the guests are incredible. The conversations are rich and deep and real and funny and so educational. And I cannot wait for all of you to get the chance to hear these conversations. 
We're also going to do episodes on the tarot archetypes for y'all, some teaching episodes. I got feedback that folks really liked the deep dives into the tarot cards. So I'm absolutely going to get through all the fives in the minor arcana because we're in this five year, friends. We're still in it. And if the workshop I just gave on this subject is any indication, you're probably having some five moments this year. Anyone? Anyone? Like five? Five, feeling a little bit five. And hopefully all of these episodes can offer up support because that's what I'm intending them to do. And we're starting with this episode. Hopefully this episode will offer up some support as well because it is about, drum roll please, temperance. A card that is misunderstood, I have found. A card that is the teacher card of the Hierophant, which is our card of the year and a really deep and rich card. It is my belief that this is the time of year that the lessons and the energies of the teacher card kick in, like in this last quarter. We have absolutely experienced the low lows and the high highs of the Hierophant. Boy, have we ever. Am I right? Am I right? You're probably like, things aren't working in an area or two areas or 17 areas of your life. You are probably craving new systems and structures because the ones you've got are threadbare. You're ready for the freedom that solid systems that are truly adapted to your needs can bring you, as well as you're a different person now. So the systems you created, the structures you created, the beliefs you had three years ago, five years ago, the ones that got you here They were constructed for a different person who had a different perspective and different beliefs, right? You're probably like, oh yeah, these beliefs I've been clinging to, these behaviors, yeah, not the cutest. Let's try to implement some different ones. And you've probably by now begun and quit and quit and begun a spiritual practice or several spiritual practices. The same goes for habits and patterns, things that you do in your life that create the larger patterns of your life. You're also probably waking up to your own authority over your own wisdom, you know, trying to make sense of your purpose and trajectory as well as ancestral stuff and collective stuff and how you fit into all of this. Like, does this sound a little familiar, my friends? And so here's the secret, my babes. I concept these seasons to fit in with themes of the year. Wild, yes, I know. Try to be helpful here. So if you haven't listened to the interviews or past episodes in season two, I highly recommend 10 out of 10 because they are all designed to support you and bring you insights around what could be coming up for you this year and help you contextualize it. And all of... This brings us to temperance, which is a card that can really help us to make sense of all this hierophant hard stuff. And like I said, as with so many of these archetypes, I have found that temperance has been flattened to simply just mean moderation or balance. And that's just not really it. That's just not really it. Why is this card so confusing? Why is there a card about abstinence or sobriety in the tarot. What does it say on that angel's robe anyway? Well, hold tight because we're going to get into some of this right now. to begin by briefly calling out the symbols, some of the symbols in the traditional Rider-Waite-Coleman-Smith card, because I really think it's important to take these into consideration when we are interpreting the card. This is where we can see where religions of the globe, spiritual traditions across the globe, and the very carefully chosen imagery that give us more insight into an older Western magical occult tradition, which no big deal is closely linked to the history of the West, 
which includes Western astrology, hermeticism, Gnosticism, and so on and so on and so forth. I am not saying you need to love these things at all. I'm just saying you got to be familiar with some of these. You got to be familiar with what makes up the imagery of the traditional deck that so many people work with. Again, you don't have to work with this deck. I do not, but you got to be familiar with it as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to be a professional tarot reader. So we've got an angel. What is an angel? Front and center. Beautiful angel. An angel is a messenger. And this angel isn't in the heavens. They have come to earth. They appear to be balancing, walking on water and with one foot on the earth. And they are pouring water up into another beautiful chalice. There are two cups. And what they are doing appears to be impossible. And so this is like another idea of the card. And this is also a symbol of alchemy. Like we've got water into wine, raw metals into gold, pain into redemption. Like you get the idea, right? Choose your fighter witches, right? Woven into the robe of the angel at the neckline is the tetragrammaton, which is the four-letter Hebrew word for God. And there is also an upward-facing triangle, which is the alchemical symbol for fire. And we also know, of course, fire is alchemy, passion, spirit, energy, life force. We also know that Mr. Waite assigned Sagittarius to be the astro sign that is associated with this card. I have read, I think it was Rachel Pollock that posited that the angel is supposed to be Iris, whose sign is the rainbow. And we see irises. We see irises in the background. Iris was Zeus's messenger and would travel to the underworld to fill their cup with sacred water from the river of the underworld, which represents renewal and rebirth. I have also seen in places folks referring to this angel as Archangel Michael. I personally could also see this angel as being Lucifer because of the card that follows it. Duh, it's the devil. Like, this is not rocket science. At any rate, we've got an angel. And angels symbolize the universe. They symbolize spiritual beings serving as a divine messenger and intermediary. That's like a really big theme of this card. And often as a protector of an individual. Angels provide us with comfort. They inspire us. They give us faith and hope. And they help us look up, right? We are looking up, whether it's literally if we're trying to catch an angel or if we get a message that helps us to open our eyes a little bit wider, to think of things we maybe hadn't thought of before, you know? The other last little part about the angel is I have heard in many places, I have no idea how, why the background of this statement, but I wanted to like share this because I found it interesting that this is like supposed to be an intersex or trans perhaps or non-binary angel. Uh, They are like theoretically the child of Hermes and Aphrodite. Again, I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know what it's, it's like, I'm assuming it was their way of symbolizing like integration or going beyond the binary. So I'm just going to call it a day and call this card queer as a $2 bill, right? Like there's some, some queerness happening here, right? And going a little bit deeper with the connections on the card, I wanted to start with that Hierophant connection because temperance is the teacher card of Hierophant. And we have that religious kind of connection with the angel and beliefs and all of that jazz. And If you want to know more about teacher cards, I did do an episode on them last season. So please listen to that first if you want more information on that. But I'm going to get into it in a little bit here. And, you know, talking about what is 
the Hierophant's teacher card talking about that is kind of meta. This is going to be sort of a meta episode in many ways. Um, but one of the meanings of the Hierophant is that they are a teacher. So who is their teacher? Who is the teacher of the teachers? Serious question. Really? It's not rhetorical. Is it life? Is it an intimacy of life? Is it a laying down of all pretense? Is it devotion, faith, belief that each day can be a benediction, a deepening that comes from opening up to possibility? Is it God or goddess or goddess or source themselves, right? Temperance is alchemy. Temperance is art. It's the pot going into and out of the kiln. Alchemy is a process. And so this archetype is about experiences that change us, that offer up moments for us to step into our soul's purpose, like either totally transcendent experiences that come from within or experiences that come from the outside and that initiate us. Encountering an angel or a moment of wonder is a heightened experience. And the hierophant is the vessel that catches and codifies that experience into form and into wisdom. Temperance is also the liminal. Some readers refer to this as the bardo or the afterlife. And the hierophant is grounded, is really involved with the body and how rituals that involve all the senses of the body create magic and create traditions that we can lean upon for years and or like millennia to come. So we can see the interplay between these two cards and how they can help us through some hierophant moments, right? Like if temperance is the burning bush, then the hierophant is the story of the burning bush in the Bible. Like, right? Like that's that's one relationship. Temperance helps the hierophant stay more fluid and introduce more elements and combinations into their teachings and their practices. And as we are shaped by intense experiences and processes, so we are alchemized. And then we gain more wisdom for ourselves and also for the people in our lives or the greater world, right? And that's very hierophant. Think about any artist or writer. Their inspiration, a lot of the time, comes from their life, from the everyday, sure, from the pain, from hardships, from the unbelievable, from what they have learned about metabolizing that hardship, that pain, describing that unbelievableness. And that's what creates the work of art, the memoir, the painting, they're channeling they are the hierophant and the energy and the emotion they are channeling is temperance. That's why, in my humble opinion, many of the most successful artists out there are the ones that make you feel. You know, I think of that Maya Angelou quote that says, I'm paraphrasing here, you'll forget what someone has said you'll forget what they did, but you'll never forget how someone made you feel. I think that's really real. Maybe I'm just speaking out of line as a tropical cancer son. Maybe that's a little too real for some of us, you know, but you know, moving right along, moving right along. The raw material, right? The process of sitting with and sifting with and turning that water into wine, that's temperance and the format the medium, the tangible book or movie or workshop or telling of a story at a potluck, that's the hierophant. And I think about so many teachers and I think about what 
they are teaching. It is usually, not always, but usually something they are teaching because they needed to learn it. Sure, they needed to learn it literally and they were good at it, like a skill or a theory. Sure. Sure, it's something they have to apply to their life. But what I'm getting at is oftentimes teachers teach what they need to learn in a much deeper, more spiritual way, in a way that is helping them heal, like learning how to love themselves or learning to fill their own cup. And that's why the greatest teachers aren't necessarily the ones who have the most original information, honestly, or maybe are even teachers in a traditional sense in a classroom, but they teach by being, you know, they are embodied. They've embodied certain energies and certain lessons in a way that are beyond language or description or resumes and solely into the realm of the divine, the energetic. And so these are just some of the ways that these two archetypes, the Hierophant and Temperance, connect. And I really wanted to bring this up also because again, like how can we bring the qualities of temperance into our lives now so that we might transform some of the more prickly hierophant stuff that we've been dealing with head on in a lot of different ways. We can really lean into the energy of temperance from now until the end of the year or obviously whenever we want or when we pull this card to help restore us. Temperance says, expect miracles. Temperance says, listen and talk to angels. Temperance asks, is it time to try something different? What parts of your world feel ripe for alchemy? And what processes must you initiate now to facilitate change? to bring up the concept of the bardo with temperance because temperance comes after the death card. The bardo is the space between worlds. It is this place of liminality, but it's a different liminality than the hanged one because I believe in this space we have a bit more agency if we choose to confront ourselves and our beliefs honestly. And of course, I think of that share song, do you believe in life after love? You know, what do you believe in? After we've suffered great loss, how do we keep going? What do we need? Do we need faith, rest, radical acceptance, connection? Do we need hope? What do you need to navigate those moments of loss, transition, and uncertainty. What do we want to believe? How will that help us transition? These are all temperance questions. And of course, these are all questions for these times. I think of this Joanna Macy quote from an article I'll link to in the show notes. It's called entering the bardo. And she writes, we are in a space without a map with the likelihood of economic collapse and climate catastrophe looming. It feels like we are on shifting ground where old habits and old scenarios no longer apply. In Tibetan Buddhism, such a space or gap between known worlds is called a bardo. It is frightening. It is also a place of potential transformation. And I also wanted to share a quote from Pema Chodron in a writing I found also about the bardo, where she says, the bardo teachings 
are really about recognizing the value of giving up the game, which we play without even giving it a second thought. And I thought more about this idea of giving up the game as being about the process of detaching from the parts of us that are false, meaning simply that they no longer feel true or honest, not that they are bad, not that they are wrong, just that they're no longer accurate to who we are now. And when we do this, this helps us to reincarnate. There is life after death. There is life after love. The thing is, you have been in a temperance time period so many times before. When you've encountered magic or made magic and it shapes you and inspires you, when you decide to choose who you are becoming next and you take the steps to embody that more deeply, when you've shifted a pattern or stepped into a new role at work or become a parent or moved or taken up a hobby or gone through a really hard breakup, all of these can be temperance processes. And these processes all prepare us for the third line of the tarot that Rachel Pollock teaches us, those three lines of the tarot. And the third line is the devil through the world or the state of wholeness. You know, we observe whispers of it in the chariot, which is the last card in the first line of the tarot. And we see it also in temperance, which is the last card in the second line of the tarot. And what these archetypes all have in common is their ability to be flexible through transition, their ability to still be in flow and also contained, like at once in movement and focused, aligned with their orbits and aware of the greater ones of larger timelines and trajectories. And what some of the lessons in all of these archetypes are also about is finding balance or integration through contradictions or through things that seem opposite, but maybe are not. Because we know ultimately we are shaped by both, both and the internal and external, that which happens to us from outside and that which we initiate that comes from inside. And our fate can be determined in part by how we respond to what is happening in our lives, as well as what we decide to bring forth or where we decided to go. Once we reach those stations that begin with the chariot, carry forth intemperance, and then end, and then also begin again in the world, we've really arrived at some place of integration where we've transcended our fears, we've made our unconscious conscious, we've perhaps totally or somewhat detached from our conditioning and healed a lot of trauma, and we are able to be as self-actualized as we can possibly be. There's no difference between inner and outer. There are no challenges we aren't able to navigate through. There is a connectedness between thought and action, between self-regard and regard of the whole. What all these archetypes also have in common is that of preparation. There is some form of preparation. They are going to be climbing another mountain or going to another horizon, so to speak. They are both ending a chapter and beginning another chapter. Some kind of achievement has been obtained. Some kind of level has been unlocked. I also think about that sentiment, making it look easy is hard work, you know, like they are in the zone. Intemperance is such 
an important stage in the major arcana because it shows us what could happen when we shape change as much as we allow change to shape us. It is really this archetype about belonging to self, belonging to the world, being able to trust the universe enough to read signs, being able to believe that there are angels everywhere, being resourced enough to trust yourself to be in process. Like when is the last time you let yourself be okay with being in process, with figuring it out through experimentation, with seeing how you are ready to change and grow without trying to force it. That is temperance right there. I planned what I wanted to touch upon today to sort of try to encompass the energy of the temperance card, which is essentially about different combinations, how we figure that out, what we do with them, how we use different energies to alchemize. How do we work with what we have, with what is around us, as well as our visions, what is infinite, to create something greater than us? How do we metabolize challenges, betrayals, or create closure through a creative process, right? Like what are the tools and techniques that will help us. I wanted to talk a little bit also about the interpretation that so many have for this card, which is based off this idea of moderation because temperance is one of the virtues. And yes, that could be a message of this card. I also think though, it's more about being careful about what you are refraining from and what you are replacing, as well as thinking really deep and really, really seriously about what you would need to do to trust yourself enough to make different decisions that are not in resistance to, that are not in defense of something you don't like or something that's been put upon you, but that are solely in the spirit of your thriving, of you experimenting with truly bringing some beliefs, some philosophies, some visions you've held onto and thought about and read about and talked about and bringing them into praxis, bringing them into your daily life and into a place where you can wrap your hands around them, where they are holding you as much as you are holding them. All right, so what could this card mean in your life? a little bit more practically. Like, how would you apply it? What do you do? What's going on when you pull this card, when it keeps coming up? Remember when I talked about my own process with this podcast, listening to the signs, being in process with healing, being changed early on in the episode? I know it was a million years ago, but surely you remember. These internal and external signs I was paying attention to and like my process around all of it, very, very much a temperance moment. Very, very, very temperance. Temperance can be as much about the types of signs you're receiving around that cosmic tug. Well, I should probably rebrand that. That sounds like something really dirty that you'd find on an app, but probably not. I don't know don't Google it, (laughs) but you know, the kinds of signs you're receiving from the universe around something that could feel hard or uncomfortable, something that might even feel impossible to you, like the angel pouring the water upwards between the two cups while balancing in a very impossible looking position. So when this card comes up for you, and if it makes sense, 
try to focus on what you do want rather than resisting what you do not. Temperance reminds us that a part of destruction is creation. It comes after death and before the devil in the tower. It's this very intense pocket in the major arcana. And temperance is the part of the pocket portal that helps us feel resourced enough to open those more intense portals. Temperance wants us to figure out how to create. That is a really, really big theme of this card with it being the art card of the deck. It is a part of a grieving process. Like when you finally become filled with gratitude for understanding that the grief has taught you what is most important or after you've gone through one rough patch after another, you are now finally stepping out into the light at the end of the tunnel and you're closing your eyes and you feel the sun on you and you are just feeling like you can begin again. Could it mean be more moderate? Maybe. I don't know. Sure. I also think it could mean finally using the spiritual wisdom as well as the practical wisdom you've learned thus far to make different choices. It could totally mean a time period of going with the flow, of examining what some of the gifts you possess and if it's time for you to share them or to focus more seriously on them in some way, shape, or form. It could mean that it's time to combine a practice with another one, like combine one dream you have that maybe you compartmentalized with another one. Maybe stop compartmentalizing aspects of yourself so that you can step forward in different ways. It is absolutely a message that there is hope, that there is support, that there is healing all around you. And that you are in this period of profound change. You're in a part of a process that comes after a big loss or a larger disappointment, you know, and where it might be time to really instigate moving on, to really decide to move on and try to integrate and try to open up your life to another chapter, you know, and that could look like anything. It could look like a poem a day. It could look like signing up for therapy or getting sober or adopting a rescue dog. It is a process we decide to undergo that facilitates getting more resourced, being able to prepare ourselves so that we can face our unconscious self or our greater conditionings and attachments and where we've been ignoring or withholding our desires and magic and the devil, which then adds to the much greater clearing of the tower. So you can think about that as well. You know, where do you need to prepare? Where do you need to find closure? Where do you need to turn the page? And what would that look like? Of course, magically, this is a potent archetype. There are so many spells and rituals that involve cups, two cups, literally like pouring the water back and forth and back and forth. We've got the opportunity to call in angels. I always think of this Jewish protection prayer I recite just about every day that invokes the angels in my own practice. In my mind, angels are quite fierce and they often help me do the impossible. They help me with cord cutting rituals. They help me in situations where I need extra help on a level that is greater than calling a human friend. (laughs) I need to call upon an angel friend. They are equipped for that. So you might want to ask yourself when this card comes up, who or what are the angels in your life? What would a fierce 
and soft support look like for you? There is so, so, so much. I haven't gotten into this card. We didn't talk about reversals. We didn't talk about the shadow. I might do a very tiny mini episode on this for my Patreon supporters sometime in November because, you know, friends, this isn't an easy card to wrap our minds around. Like, I don't think it is. So if you're sort of like, eh, I don't really know. I'm not really sure. I totally get it. I, I got you. I totally get it. But hopefully this has helped you demystify the archetype a bit. I want to leave you with a temperance sentiment, which is something that I often tell the folks who take my longer workshops. And that is, if nothing changes, nothing changes. In order to get something you have never had, it means you have to do something you've never done. If you want to facilitate particular experiences you haven't enjoyed before, you've got to think about changing your behavior. You've got to think about being open. You've got to think about what feels impossible. And so For some of us looking at the rest of this year, we might be ready to start implementing different systems, different practices, and experiment more so that we can create some change and see what happens. Our temperance teacher card energy could be doing some energetic like chiropractic work on us. So maybe we're not overextending ourselves as much. Maybe that's the impossible feeling thing. Maybe it feels impossible to rest or to be vulnerable with someone we love about what we need or to not feel responsible for other people's emotions. Maybe your temperance practice is leaning more into co-regulation with the elements, with trees, with the banks of a running river. Maybe that's how you call in support, like the angel in the card, by opening up to the elements around you that can help you sink into more belonging. Another temperance card moment or practice could be directly talking to God, source, spirit, goddess, the universe, your deities, your ancestors, goddess, seeing what comes up seeing what magical techniques and spiritual practices you're ready to commit to for a period of time so that you become tempered. Gentle listeners, I'm going to gently encourage you to pick a system, a system for your life that might be really useful to you, that might help you get somewhere you really want to go or feel a kind of way you really want to feel. And in doing so, creating alchemy that takes your healing and your recovery into account. So these are just some ideas. That's what I've got this week. Sometime next week, we will draw a winner for the giveaway. So if you would like to be put into the cauldron to win a 25-minute reading with me, you can leave a five-star review now in order to be entered into that. Like I said, the other big news around these parts is our incredible spell book, our incredible planner, our incredible grimoire, our portable spell. The Many Moons 2022 Lunar Planner will begin shipping in November, in the beginning of November. So if you've thought about ordering it, if you're ready to explore it, I suggest you do so right about meow. So, okay, loves, until next time. Bye for now. Talk soon. Moonbeaming is brought to you by The Moon Studio. We are created and hosted by Sarah Faith Godestiner. Editing is by Caitlin George Parker. And the sound is by Will Owen, thank you for your support. Witches in the autumn leaves, collecting things for John.